you've got a need you want to bring before God this morning. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you.
Amen. And uh, I don't know where our little oil pouch is, but we'll use this oil. This this will work. It'll, it'll work. Oh, there's there's our dance. So we're just gonna get leave, and we're gonna go by the word of the Lord in the name of Jesus. Every every everything will bow to the name of Jesus. Amen. I'll give just a little bit of a testimony for just a minute because I know that it's obvious that I've had whatever's going on with muscle and my neck and that sort of thing for a while and uh, I've got an older sister lover but she basically just sat down and barely gets out of her recliner And you look at me and go, how can you believe for God to heal? Well, that's real simple, because I can't heal. It's God who's the one who does it. And uh, I've had doctors try to talk like, uh, see if that's going to work, yeah. Like it would be no time until I would wind up in a wheelchair. And I just smiled and said, no, I'm not. Amen. And uh, no, this body's healed in Jesus' name. You don't look so healed. That's all right. It'll catch up. Amen. Oh, glory. God's a big God. Amen. Praise God. Yes. I think Sister Frida is going to take some children and slip back with them. So girls, if y'all want to go with Sister Frida and boys, amen. And it's good to see all of y'all here, amen. And uh, invite somebody, tell them what they're missing. And uh, 
You know, that's the way things grow is when you invite people. So, well, I need you to do this with me. If you brought a Bible with you, hold it up. E version or tree version, that means on your, on your phone or, or paper. And say this out loud with me. This is my Bible. It's God's holy word. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. So I boldly confess. My mind is renewed. My body is healed. I'm saved by God's grace. And I live by His Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. In Mark chapter 5, I believe Karina has got the scriptures there. I'm going to be reading, and it's you should be able to follow along with me in the New Living Translation. I just want to get this in your mind, in your spirit, instead of just telling you where it's at, because you'd probably go home with full intentions of going home and reading the fifth chapter of Mark, but then you wouldn't do it. Sure you would. No, but seriously. I want you just to let this kind of soak into your spirit as, as a read through it. it. It's not really that long. In uh, the first verse of Mark chapter 5, So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Ger Gerizines. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out of the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put in chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains with his wrists and smashed the shackles. Now think about that. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed. And I'm going to put to you right now, it was the demon speaking through the man. He screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the de legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all 
afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family, tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he's been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns, your version may say Decapolis, or one of the other names, of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. I think it was a few days ago because I started doing this and yes this is a unashamed advertisement of our website that I'm trying to get out and, and get you to share with people and tell them hey go here look at it there's a weekly devotional that's on there and on that weekly devotional called hope for today I'm, I'm just going to read to you what I put on there there's a story in Mark 5 often called the madman of Gadara. As we read, we discover that life for this man had gone from bad to worse to horrible. <laughs> I don't really think that one day he got up and said to himself, I think I'll go crazy and live in the graveyard. It was a progression resulting from sin that finally culminated in the condition he was in. Having this background in mind, realizing that for him things were bad, we also need to understand how Jesus and the Father viewed this man's situation. Jesus could have stayed where he was. There were plenty of people to minister to. But Jesus told his disciples they needed to go to the other side of the lake where this man was. No matter how bad your situation may be, Jesus is already moving toward you. I'm going to read that again. Jesus, no matter how bad what's going on is, Jesus is moving toward you. The devil may have lied to you, told you that Satan had an iron grip on your life, but all it takes for deliverance to happen is for the presence of Jesus to show up in your life. God wants you to know that no matter how bad things look, Jesus Christ can and will set you free. Do like the man in the story. Run to him. Your life is about to change. You know, the thing that God really spoke to me first more than anything else was and I know the, the story there doesn't really tell you all of that. But we know from many of the scriptures, sin opens the door to Satan. And I really do believe that at one time, because Jesus said, go home to your family, to your friends, there would have been a time in this man's life where he probably was doing well, probably either had a business or a job and... Uh, or, or a farm, whatever it was, flocks. Who knows, he might have at one time owned a herd of, of pigs and sold them. But you got to remember, this is the Gentile side of the lake. And, you know, whatever it was, but at one time he had life. 
sin opens the door to Satan. You know, I found out a long time ago, you know, Satan will promise you wealth and fame and pleasure, but the Bible says that even if there is pleasure in sin, it's only for a season. Just a season. It's short-lived. Satan will promise you, you know, wealth and, and all the rest of it, but what he'll give you is poverty, isolation, and pain. There's an old saying, sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Can somebody say amen? You know, but the good news that God spoke to me, and I mean, I just, God, the Lord's already moving towards us. Wherever we are, whoever we are, God moves toward us when we have a need. You know, I titled this message, you know, uh, what did I title this? It's never too bad or it's not too late for God. Whichever way you want to say that. It's, it, it's just, sometimes we look at things like, man, it is just, it's too late. It's too bad. Remember the story of Lazarus in the Bible? How that, you know, Mary and Martha, and they sent word to Jesus and said, you've got to come. You know, our brother Lazarus, he's, he, he, he's sick and he's, he's at the point of death. And Jesus just stayed where he was. And we look at things like that and we go, God, I don't understand that. Now, I know that, you know, there's always somebody who's going to say, yeah, that's that story in the Bible. And I know it ends up with Lazarus being raised from the dead. But, you know, I, I didn't see that in my family or I didn't see that with the one that, you know, I prayed for. Well, let me help you with something. The minute they left this body, they, if they were born again, they're in the presence of Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I, I, I know some people discount this, but I believe it was true because Smith Wigglesworth had several people raised from the dead in his ministry. Now, I've got a friend of mine named Andrew Womack that has seen the dead raised two or three times. And I know that there are times when it seems like it's too late, but it's never really too late for God. It's just never too late. That's the whole point of that. And as you look at what is shared in this story, you ever notice that there's themes that really just kind of flow through? And that thought just came to me. You know, when Jesus began his ministry, his ministry actually began. I mean, there's some people that try to bring up stuff like, oh, you know, when Jesus was growing up as a boy, you know, he must have walked around healing little lambs who, you know, hurt themselves or, you know, a dove had fallen to the ground, you know, dead, and he'd go raise it from the dead. No, he didn't. Well, how do you know that? Because the Bible says the first, everybody say first, miracle that he did was changing the water into to wine at the marriage in Cana of Galilee. So I know that he didn't do any of that stuff. He began his ministry after he was baptized in water by John the Baptist. And at that point, and at that time, Jesus then was anointed by the Spirit of God. How do you know that? Because Acts 10, 38 says, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. That's when his ministry began. 
And it says immediately after being baptized and anointed by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit led him into the wilderness. And that's where he faced temptation and overcame temptation. That's good for us to think about. You can face temptation and you can overcome temptation. That's a good thing to think about. I just thought I'd say that again. You'll face temptation, but you can overcome temptation. Amen. Well, I preach me happy. Anyway, but the whole point is it starts off, it says Jesus was led by the Spirit. And Jesus in several places through the book of John said he only said what the Father said to say. He only did what the Father said to do. So it had to be the Father that led him to leave where he was and go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee or the Lake Genesaret. It's got several names in Scripture, but it's a large inland lake. And as he went to that other side, he had to go there. And I said that just a few minutes ago. Why? Because there was one man that was on the other side of that lake Jesus needed to go to. One man. And Jesus needed to go to him. And you know, <laughs> it looked hopeless. It really looked hopeless. You really wonder what his life would have been like before all of that took place with him. And all of those demons eventually entered into him through who knows. I mean, in that area, there was a lot of pagan idol worship, which is nothing but demon worship. Maybe he had really gotten deep into it. I know it wasn't too many days ago. I actually uh, talked to a young man that uh, said he was deeply spiritual. <laughs> he wasn't a Christian. He was just spiritual. And, you know, there's a lot of people that get the idea that, well, if I'm spiritual, I, I, I must be okay. There's many ways to heaven, right? No. There's only one way. And who knows what was going on with this man that finally got him to where he was. But now the condition he's in, I mean, they, they tried, to, tried to at least restrain him, put him in chains, so... Hopefully he wouldn't hurt himself because he continued to do that, trying to cut himself with stones. I'm sure if he'd have had a knife, he'd have been doing that. And I'll just go ahead and say this. Why in the world was all that going on? Because Satan wanted him to commit suicide. Satan's ultimate goal in any of us is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. There isn't anything Satan's ever going to do that's going to benefit us. That was a good place to say amen. But, you know, I, I remember when I was looking at that, just thinking of how hopeless he had to look. And, and really, everybody had written him off, I'm sure. It's too late. The condition's too bad. And I was reminded of that other story in Scripture about... Jesus going to Samaria. Now we won't get all deep into all of that, but you're, the people of Samaria, the Samaritans, 
had kind of changed some of the worship of the one true God and they had just kind of blended it and added some other things and so the Jews didn't really have any dealings with them and uh, there, there was kind of a unspoken rule you just you know if you had to do business with them you just did it as quick as you could you didn't have friends with the Samaritans not if you really want to be a good Jew a good follower of Jehovah God and yet Jesus said I need to go through Samaria and of course when they got there they stopped at Jacob's well Jesus sent his disciples into town to get some food and I really think that wasn't so much to get food it was to get them out of the way because he's sitting there by himself when in the middle of the day a woman comes to get her water for the day now most women would do that early in the morning but her situation was such that she didn't feel comfortable or was made uncomfortable if she went when the other women were there so she came in the middle of the day Jesus began that conversation with her and I won't go through all of that it just to end it with saying you know it culminated in this conversation where Jesus said I can give you living water and the woman received Christ believed on him as her Lord and as her Savior and the thing that struck me was you know with that woman society had written her off five previous husbands had written her off <laughs> her family probably had written her off but God didn't write her off. We look at things and we go, man, I, I, they're just too, no, they're never too far gone. They're never too far gone. Amen? I mean, I believe God can save anybody in Washington, D.C. Amen. <laughs> he can save people in Purdy. He can save people in Berry County, in Lawrence County, wherever you are. Amen? But God wants us to understand it's never too late. Now, I talked about the condition this man got in. 2,000. We, we know there had to be at least a legion anywhere from 1,000 to 2,000. And there were 2,000 of the pigs, so we kind of go on the high number that probably there were that many demons in this man. And like I said, I really believe that the more than likely somewhere in his life, he began to simply let sin dominate him. Now, you say, well, Pastor, that, that story doesn't say all that. No, but if you go back into the book of Romans in chapter 6, I believe it is, when God revealed to the apostle Paul what would happen it talks about how that well whoever you yield to is who's going to have control of you who's going to dominate you and he just literally says it if it's sin sin's going to dominate you if it's the spirit of god then the spirit of god's going to dominate you and then james comes in and i believe it's the first chapter 
And James literally begins to give us a progression of sin. And I want you just to kind of get this in your spirit because I believe this is something God wants to get across to somebody this morning. And I think it's going to help somebody. In James 1.13, and I'm going to read this from the Amplified Bible. I think it's where you can put it on the screen and follow along with me. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted from God. For God is incapable of being tempted by what is evil, and he himself tempts no one. You just got to let that statement soak in for a minute. But every person is tempted when he or she is drawn away, enticed, and baited by his own evil desire, lust, or passion. Then the evil desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully mature, brings forth death. Brings forth death. Now, I looked up the word conceived. And Webster's Dictionary just simply says a few things like it. It just says it, it, it originates. If something's conceived, it's originated. It means to take into one's mind, to form a conception. It means to imagine, to apprehend. In other words, you take it by imagination. Now, I'm just reading from Webster's definition of what that means. Remember when Jesus said in the Gospels, if a man lusts in his heart, he's already committed adultery already. So there's a progression to sin. We're tempted. And if we meditate and dwell on something until your imagination has already accomplish that thing whether it's adultery or whether it's eating the whole chocolate pie <laughs> you know whatever it is once it's conceived it gives birth to sin and then when we we will fulfill whatever that action happens to be and then sin when it's finished brings forth death and if you stop and think about it that's where this man found himself he found himself in a condition where sin had opened the door satan had literally taken control of him he couldn't control his own actions anymore he couldn't control his own body satan was doing his best to try to get him really to kill himself and then Jesus showed up. Jesus showed up. Hmm. You know the thing I find that's absolutely awesome? There didn't have to be a 30 minute or a two hour sermon. It was just literally the presence of Jesus. It was just his presence. Again, I, if you ever get a chance to get some books on Smith Wigglesworth, there would be times that man would, he, he, of course back then, you you know, if you really wanted to travel like from a, one long distance, from, say from one coast to the other, from one city to another, you'd ride the train. 
and Wigglesworth would get on the train. And all the world he'd do is get on there and go sit down and probably start praying because he did that very frequently, very quietly to himself. But people would literally yell out, you convict me of sin. There'd be people get saved just because the man happened to show up. And really all it takes is the presence of Christ. And when He shows up, bondage breaks. Satan is not that big. We, we Sometimes I think we get all of these, I don't know, maybe we got it from Hollywood or maybe we got it, who knows where we got it. Y'all, Satan is not all that powerful. Now, compared to us without, without God, yeah, he'll eat your lunch and pop the bag. But Satan's not that powerful. He is just not that good. And all it takes is the presence of Jesus Christ. And the demons themselves were just petrified. And Jesus cast them out. And the thing that is so absolutely awesome is that there was this instant deliverance. Y'all, there's things changed on the inside. And sometimes it does take a little bit longer to show on the outside. <laughs> Y'all, you ever stop and wonder? Because back then, I mean, when they went from one side of that lake to the other, wasn't anybody going and getting a suitcase. Either Jesus had somebody bring clothes or Jesus himself brought clothes. He knew what he was going there for. You gotta think about some things like that. And the man was sitting, talking with the Lord and the disciples. Now he was dressed, he was clothed, he was sane, he was in his right mind. And... The thing that I, I find just absolutely amazing is it says the people were afraid. You just kind of want to go, what is the matter with people? When you got the guy crazy as a loon running through the tombs, you know, screaming and howling and cutting himself and breaking chains, you're not scared then? <laughs> and when he's, when, he's, when he's normal and right, now you're scared? Y'all, the world does. They get things upside down. Amen. I, I think what I really believe God is wanting to say to us this morning is there is no such thing as a situation that's too bad. <coughs> it's just not. God can take us wherever we are. He can take somebody else you know. And if it's not someone right here, Maybe it's somebody listening to this podcast later, or maybe it's it's a family member that you know. <coughs> Excuse me. God hasn't given up on them. Don't give up on them. Keep praying. Because God hears those prayers. And let me tell you, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. And I guarantee you, God's working. God is working. And I don't know about you, but there is no such thing as it being too late. Or a situation being so bad, God can't change it. Amen? God can change it, and God will change it.
whatever is happening, whatever's going on, all it takes is His presence. There is just something about His presence. Judy, I want you to come in that song about the presence of God. I want you to softly play that. Now I want to ask you just to stand with me as we get ready to close. If you need prayer this morning, for any reason, to get things right with God, to ask God to change something that's going on in your life, then I give you an invitation to come. But if you want to just come and just kneel at the altar or stand and really just rest in His presence for a little bit. There's been many a time that I think God has done more for me and in me when all I did was just come taking a step of faith and saying, Lord, I want to be in your presence. You say, well, can't I do that where I am? You can. But there's something about stepping out in faith and saying, Lord, I just want to come and kneel at your altar and be in your presence. The invitation's open for those who desire to come.